Previously on Transformers University, we got you caught up on all of the toys from 1984, and now, as the line explodes, we're going to take a look into 1985 and start with the Autobots here on Transformers University. Hello, my friend, and welcome to Transformers University, brought to you by TFU.info. I am your host, Anthony Bricelli, the owner-operator and madman behind this podcast and TFU.info. And today, we are going to be talking about toys, a thing that probably has brought a lot of you here to begin with. And before we get into that real quick, uh, if you haven't checked out our Patreon campaign, uh, please do. Patreon.com slash TFUINFO. Patreon.com slash TFUINFO. Um, because if you're listening to this episode now, uh, you could have heard it a day ago uh, if you were a Patreon subscriber. And uh, I want to give a big shout out to all eight Patreon subscribers who are uh, part of the show and part of the campaign right now. In particular, Sean Hamilton and Eric Sire, who both signed up at the super senior level at uh, $10 a month, uh, as well as Jason Kirk and Eric Crownover, who you've heard on this show before, both of them. also want to give a shout-out to Jason Tate, Joshua Naykirk, Alex Reynolds, and John Triclops, all for joining the Patreon. Uh, I'm thrilled that you want to support the show, and I hope more people come along for the ride, because we have some great stuff planned on that patreon again patreon.com slash tfu info and as we get into 1985 and the popularity of transformers exploding around the world so too did the toy line and so i am actually going to split the toy episodes into um multiple episodes and we're going to start in the united states in north america uh with the 1985 Autobots and before we get into the Autobots of the line of that year uh, it is important to note the popularity of the line and how plans were starting to come to fruition so some of these plans were laid in 1984 and you can see that in the cartoon and if you haven't caught those cartoon episodes uh, good chance for you to catch up here as well but uh, there were some things previewed in the early episodes of the show. And for more on that, here is my friend, Gabriel Owens, the Salty Sea Man. As we move on into 1985, uh, let's look back a little bit at, uh, basically, let's concentrate on season one here of the cartoon. We uh, just finished wrapping up here. Uh, the, the characters used in like what was actually at retail uh, is kind of interesting in a lot of ways. You can kind of see that a lot of changes happen along the way. Uh, as, you know, been discussed before, you know, with the early designs and how some of them are off, especially in the comics and a lot of the early promotional material. You know, things were in flux in 84 and they're get, trying to get this line out. And looking at the uh, the makeup of the of the two teams... On uh, and during season one, especially more than ECI, which was had to been a production, right? You know, while stuff was still being conceptualized, essentially, uh, it's pretty interesting. Uh, first off, uh, let's stick with more than ECI. You're, you know, that these are what would presumably be 
the uh, the toys that would be available for retail when the, when it aired. So right away, we on the Decepticon side, we've got two anomalies or four really, and uh, Shockwave who was not available till the next year, uh, Reflector who wasn't available for another two years, and then and even then by mail away, and we'll get more on him in a bit, and also the lack of Frenzy and Buzzsaw, uh, you know. Which I find odd just because of the, the the lack of troops they had for like the big battle scenes. The the given reason is that Buzzsaw and Frenzy didn't need to be advertised because they were uh, packaged with another toy that was being advertised. So kids wanted Ravage, you know, they'd have to get Frenzy and so on and so forth. Or if they want a sound wave, they get Buzzsaw. But it's really weird that we don't see. Uh, you know, we just don't see those characters. Like, I don't think we see Buzzsaw at all in Season 1. I think he shows up first in Atlanta Arise. Uh, Ant, interrupt me here if, I, if I'm mistaken. But I don't think he shows up in Season 1 at all. And you are wrong there, Gabe. He does show up for the first time in City of Steel, which we chronicled uh, in the episode prior to this one. Now, back to Gabe. Uh, Frenzy shows up relate in Season 1 and, and Megatron's... And, and I'm in, in, uh, uh, countdown to extinction and you know it's it, it's a bit odd if you look back when they do crowd filler scenes you know they basically do you know recolors of the seekers and the reflectors now the thing with uh you know stick you know reflectors in a lot because he is a background troop and they never really we never really figure out how many people are in reflector i think uh he's supposed to be three like the toy but sometimes he's there's just a shitload of them in the background. I mean, what are you going to do with it? And, you know, it's for a toy that, you know, Shockwave at least, you know, they made sure he came out the next year. And uh, Reflector still didn't come out in 85. And then in 86, they finally does come out. And it's only by mail away. Uh, pretty odd for a guy who's such a huge part. I mean, even though he doesn't get a lot of personality, but he's there. He's just constantly there. I'm sure like myself and I'm sure a ton of other kids were like, why isn't there a reflector toy? It made no sense. Now, beyond more than MCI, of course, we get other uh, characters who would come along for toy-wise in, in uh, season in, uh, in 1985 or late 84 in a lot of cases. Uh, the Dinobots, uh, Skyfire slash Jetfire, Constructicons, the Insecticons, you know, but I mean, obviously that was already looking forward to the to, to the next year of toys. But if you just look, just look at more than meets the eye, you know, we kind of see that, you know, it's pretty obvious that Reflector was intended to come out that year. Shockwave was intended to come out the first year. Uh, probably Gra- uh, Grapple, who uh, as mentioned, if you saw the, is there's a character named Hauler who eventually would get his own toy, but at the time it is essentially assumed that was supposed to be what became Grapple. And that was his original name, but he got held off to the next year. So that that, that makes a lot of sense because, you know, the, the more than MCI pilot was, you know, it was going off a lot of early information, you know, and then it takes a long time to make animation and they probably had to make adjustments along the way. But uh, just in terms of like having to reuse Reflector and different colored seekers all the time, why they, didn't they use more of their assets with... Uh, with Frenzy and Buzzsaw, I mean, even given aside, like we don't really need to advertise them just, just as troop filler and you have the model sheets. I just, I never got why they didn't use those characters more. 
So, I mean, basically, I mean, it's it, the, the, the situation they started the first season off with is, is pretty odd uh, in terms of what we actually got. And a lot of that can be chalked up just to changes in production schedules and, you know, just last minute decisions on what comes out, what doesn't. Uh, but, you know, it's, it's just interesting to, to view these and, you know, look through the comics and the cartoons and think about, you know, what they were trying to push out at this time and what we actually got and what they actually intended, at least at one point. And, of course, you can catch Gabe on his channel, The Salty Seaman, on YouTube and on Twitter at Gabe138. And I think one of the things Hasbro didn't quite expect with the popularity of the Transformers brand and the Transformers line, I think they expected competition. Uh, they planned for competition, as you'll see, uh, with some of the toys they released in 1985. But I don't think they planned for the level of competition they were going to face. Now, Tonka got out in front of them with GoBots, and uh, perhaps one day I will do a few GoBots episodes. I know I would love to, but... Uh, if you want the basics on GoBots, swing on by to uh, Transformers The Basics on YouTube, hosted by Chris McFeely. Uh, you've heard him on the show before. Uh, he did a great episode on April 1st about the GoBots, and uh, totally worth your time to watch it. It's only about six or seven minutes long and worth every minute. But the competition from GoBots, from Voltron, from other smaller lines like uh, the Converters and I can, can't really think of any others off the top of my head, but there are definitely more. Show that there was um, not just a trend, but Hasbro had tapped into something a bit bigger than they expected. And with that, not only did competition come, but so did counterfeiting. And this is important because it still kind of exists today in the third-party toy movement. Now, so there's one thing for competition and there's another thing for knockoffs and there's another thing for blatant knockoffs and consumer confusion. And Hasbro reacted to this in 1985 by adding what we call rub symbols to the toys. Now these rub symbols were little heat activated stickers that revealed the toys faction symbol. And these came about in 1985 as part of the toy line. So what you had was a way for Hasbro to say this is what is a real, authentic Transformers toy. And so much so that they even made a commercial about it. We are conquerors. No one is like us. Only we have the right to be called by the name. Only we have the right to wear this symbol. Or this symbol. Only we are Autobots and Decepticons. Good versus evil. And only we have the right to be called the Transformers. Or the Transformers. Only the Transformers are real Transformers, each sold separately from Hasbro. And on top of that, given the brand's popularity in 1984 and into 1985 and throughout 1985, Hasbro had to go so far as to make a commercial to give people the heads up to buy Transformers ahead of Christmas and ahead of uh, Black Friday. Uh, otherwise, you might miss out. And to do this, they employed actor Alex Karras uh, to be their spokesman for a commercial. 
Uh, and if you're familiar with the name, or if you're not familiar with the name, uh, Alex Karras was the uh, dad on Webster, uh, the sitcom that was on the TV at the time. Uh, and he was also a former uh, NFL football player with the Detroit Lions. Uh, was a defensive tackle for 12 years. And uh, many of you may know him from the movie Blazing Saddles as Mongo. And here in this spot, Karras shows us that he is not only a pawn in the game of life. These are the Transformers, one of the fastest selling toys in America. If you want one for your kids this Christmas, go now while stores have a good selection. Folks, these robots are hot. Get them by Thanksgiving weekend so you can give them at Christmas. Transformers from Hasbro. And with that demand, that meant there needed to be a lot of product in 1985. And what Hasbro did, especially now that they had the rub symbol as a way to differentiate themselves from other brands, they went ahead and re-released a big chunk of the 1984 line. In fact, the entire 1984 line was re-released in 1985 with rub symbols added to the sticker layout on the toy. So that means the mini vehicles, Braun, Bumblebee, Cliffjumper, Huffer, Gears, Wind Charger, were all re-released with rub signs in 1985. What wasn't re-released were Red Bumblebee, Yellow Cliffjumper, and the character affectionately known as Bumper. For more on those, check our 1984 episode uh, about 10 episodes ago, give or take. And also to help sell the older mini vehicles and to play up the rub symbol feature, the original six mini vehicles included a free pack and figure called a mini spy. Now these mini spy toys were originally uh, part of a separate Takara Japanese toy line. Uh, called Mecha Warriors. Now, they were little tiny vehicles that featured pullback motors and uh, they rolled forward when you pulled them back. There were four different types of mini spies uh, as we refer to them in the fandom. They're usually the four-wheel drive type or 4WD type. Sometimes it's also called the Jeep type. Uh, there's a buggy type, uh, FX1 type, and a Porsche type. Uh, and that's usually what they're called. Now, each one of those was randomly packed onto the card of one of the six original Autobot mini vehicles. In addition, the mini spies were available in blue, white, or yellow. So three colors, four toys. And each one was available as either an Autobot or a Decepticon, which means there were 24 different mini spies off the bat. And then... If you count in that each one also has a possible variation on its hubcap. So the hubcap on each uh, set of wheels for each toy either has a eight-spoke pattern or a pattern that has um, hexagons uh, circling the axle. That means there's two versions of each color for each faction meaning there is a total of 48 mini-spy variations. So good luck collecting those, and if you want to tack in the uh, Mecha Warriors versions, there's eight more 
they were available in blue and in red, and they had uh, stickers on the front of the uh, robot body, which the the mini-spies did not, and those stickers even have them numbered as 1, 2, 3, and 4. And the the mini-spies even got a, a little bit of cartoon time, not in the show, but in their own commercial. In the world of the Transformers, it used to be easy to tell the Autobots from the Decepticons. But now, the mini-spies are on the loose. They look like Autobots, but are they? It's a Decepticon! After him! Transformer mini-spies. You get one with each of the six Autobot mini-car packages. Motorized Transformers. You can't tell if they're Autobots or Decepticons until you rub up their symbol. It's an Autobot! Transformer mini-spies. Get them while supplies last from Hasbro. In addition, we got a handful of new mini-vehicles. Um, and these guys are arguably the first Transformers toys made for the Transformers brand. Now, I'm pretty sure they might have been leftover microchange product uh, or microchange designs, but they were never released as microchange figures. So their first release to the public was with the Transformers brand, and that would be Beachcomber, the Autobot geologist, Cosmos, the green UFO, Sea Spray, the blue hovercraft, Warpath, the red tank, and Powerglide, the red mini-vehicle plane. And uh, same went for the Autobot vehicles. So the Autobot cars, as a lot of people like to call them, Uh, including Optimus Prime, were all carried over into 1985. So that would be uh, Sideswipe, Sunstreaker, Ironhide Ratchet, Trailbreaker, Wheeljack, Mirage, Jazz, Blue Streak, Prowl were all carried over into 1985, along with a uh, handful of other ones released to join them. New Autobots join Optimus Prime. Smokescreen, Tracks, Hoist, Inferno, Red Alert, and Grapple. And much like the G1 cartoon, uh, that commercial left out one toy, and that would be Skid. Skids was a blue minivan uh, that was in the Autobot cars scale, uh, and he joined them, joined the team along with Tracks, the blue Corvette, Smokescreen, the red and blue sports car, Grapple, the Crane, who... Uh, does appear in the first episode of the Transformers as Hauler, Inferno, the red fire truck, Red Alert, the white Lamborghini fire chief car, and Hoist, the green pickup truck. So these cars are added in from the Diaclone toy line, uh, much like the original cars were, and some of them are variations on some of the original toys. So Smokescreen is a retooling of the Prowl and Blue Streak mold with a uh, different front bumper among, uh, an, in addition to its different paint job. Hoist is a retooling of Trailbreaker with the rear hook removed and a uh, toe winch added in. Red Alert is a retooling of Sideswipe with police bars added to the vehicle mode. Uh, Inferno and Grapple are the same base mold but are retooled from one another, one being a fire truck, the other being a crane. Skids is an entirely new mold, as well as tracks, which seems to hold a special place 
in the heart of Alan Young from Toy Box Comics. Uh, Trex is, uh, I think, one of the uh, more overlooked of the uh, early Autobot cars, and he was one of my first Transformers. And I don't know, as a kid, for some reason, I loved Corvettes, so getting a Corvette Transformer was something that I really loved as a kid. And, uh, you know, as the cars go, it's a pretty solid toy, you know, simple transformation. Uh, He has elbows, I think, or the limit of his articulation. Trax did have a flying mode, which was unusual for the uh, Autobot cars. But yeah, he fold out his arms and his wings, and he's something that vaguely resembles a jet if you use your imagination. So yeah, that's one aspect of him that's uh, unusual and kind of special. I guess I can't really objectively say that it's a particularly outstanding toy, but it's one that... Uh, was always very special to me as a kid. And uh, when Trax had a couple of uh, spotlight episodes in the cartoon, I relished those as a kid because I relished the toy. So sort of that circular kid logic, (laughs) emotional connection I had going on there. And of course, the Autobot cars and the Autobot mini vehicles were not the only toys to still continue the importing from Takara's Diaclone and Microchange lines in 1985. As teased in the cartoon, there was a very important group of Autobots that also came from Diaclone. To help them battle the evil Decepticons, you can imagine the Autobots create Dinobots. And uh, I like how that commercial contains a changed version of the 1984 theme song with the Dinobots worked into the lyrics. And funny thing is that commercial was also redone with the 1985 theme song. To help them in their never-ending battle against the evil Decepticons, the Autobots create a new breed of robot, Dinobots. And speaking of the 1985 theme song, I know I totally forgot to mention that in the last episode uh, where we covered the cartoon in episode 14 and we switched into season two. So somebody remind me before I get into the next cartoon episode. I'll make a note of it, but uh, uh, someone remind me on Twitter, on Facebook, on YouTube, anywhere that I need to... uh, address the change in the opening sequence uh, in season two when we get to it. So let's talk a little bit about the Dinobots and these are some of uh, some people's most favorite Transformers. In fact it is one of uh, my first Transformers was the Dinobot slag the Triceratops. And it's funny that that name is one 
that doesn't get used anymore. And there's a reason behind it in those who are listening across the pond in Europe, in the UK, know what I mean. For those of you in North America, the reason why slag has now become slug is that slag uh, essentially means prostitute uh, in other English-speaking parts of the world. So there is your little history lesson, and uh, up until recently, Hasbro had lost the trademark to Sludge. Uh, the most recent toy uh, does have the name Sludge, so he got called Slog for a while. So in the 1985 line, not to jump too far ahead with these names, but in the 1985 line, we had Grimlock, the Tyrannosaurus Rex, Slag, and my apologies to my European listeners, the Triceratops, Swoop, the uh, Pteranodon, I believe, <laughs> and uh, Snarl, the Stegosaurus, and Sludge, the, I'm going to say Brontosaurus, I'm sure some of you paleontologist type folks will tell me he is not, and Sludge was actually one of those toys that was knocked off pretty heavily back in the 1980s, so much so that it had a profound impact on the current voice of Starscream in the Machinima, Transformers, Combiner Wars, and Titans Return cartoon series, Frank Tadaro. I did have, uh, at some point later on, um, when I was kind of a slightly older kid and uh, going to flea markets, I had this knockoff sludge. It was. It had wings with joints on it and vacuum metal gold bronze stuff. I forget what it was named, but it was fairly common, I guess, at the time. But uh, that was the closest thing to a Dinobot that I actually had. And I think that's sort of my origin story as to why there are 10 Rubbermaid containers full of a portion of the collection that I actually brought to California when I moved here, just making up for lost time. And Frank will actually be the voice of Sludge in the upcoming Machinima Transformers animation Power of the Primes uh, later this year and also if you weren't thrilled with Combiner Wars uh, if you felt it didn't move terribly well uh, our Patreon goal here at tfu.info is going to be for me to re-edit the Combiner Wars series to at least move it along and make it a little more concise. I don't know exactly what I can do with it, but that's the goal. Uh, and that is when we get to 100 subscribers. So swing on by patreon.com slash tfuinfo, tfuinfo, and uh, sign up today because uh, I really want to do that and uh, I need your help to get me there. Now, continuing on with the Dinobots before we move on to the next batch of toys. Uh, interesting little note here for those who maybe played with the original Dinobots as a kid. Um, something that was unlocked for me uh, when I joined the Transformers Online fandom back in the late 90s, something that never made sense to me was the Dinobots had cockpits. Uh, so did the Insecticons, but that's another episode. Uh, the Dinobots had cockpits because they were leftover Diaclone product. So the Diaclone line had little miniature drivers and I might have mentioned this in the previous toy episode but if not we'll say it again uh, and the drivers would control the robot and the alternate mode and that is why 
they have cockpits. It's also why usually there is die cast metal near the cockpits because the diaclone driver had magnetic feet uh, which allowed it to attach into the cockpit a little bit better. Another part of the diaclone line to make it into the 1985 Autobots side of the Transformers line were the jump starters. Jump starters. In the world of the Transformers, no Autobot can jump into action faster than jump starters. So the uh, jump starters had pullback motors that allowed them to roll forward. A little uh, hook that held their legs in in a spring-loaded position uh, that would release at some point after you had pulled them back and allow the inertia of the legs springing forward to actually flip the toy upward and land on its feet in robot mode. And those two toys, Topspin and Twin Twist, were uh, pretty inexpensive uh, even at that point in time and uh, sold pretty well. And for one thing, those are ones you can find pretty easily on the secondhand market. Uh, and they've been fairly durable over the last 30 plus years. Uh, even Transformers lead designer John Warden had a story that he had told at Toy Fair 2017 about one he found. I, I was digging in my garden in the backyard, and um, it was an area of my yard that I'd never dug in before, and I was digging. I found some old uh, Hot Wheels cars, but I also found Twin Twist, and he was sprung, like he was closed. He was in digger mode, like wow. some kid was, you know, making <laughs> a little digging. So I, I took him into the sink, and I cleaned him off with a toothbrush, and I... I pulled it back, and I kid you not, he, he jump-started up. And so, so I cleaned him, I put him in my office, and I was like, you know, that's, that's pretty cool. You know, he's been waiting to spring for 20 years. And so from the Diaclone carryovers to the micro-change carryovers, uh, just to recap from the previous toy episode, so real quick, Transformers line in 84 was two lines, Diaclone and Microchange, both brought over to the US and marketed as Transformers, right? So Diaclone were the vehicles with the drivers and Microchange were the things that were meant to look like real objects for kids to kind of role play with. So from that, we have in 1985, the toy for Perceptor, the Autobot scientist who turns into a microscope. Now. Perceptor's uh, an interesting toy. He was one of the ones designed by Hideaki Yoke, who uh, is considered one of the godfathers of uh, toy designers in the Transformers world, who uh, was a designer on Transformers uh, after and before uh, the brand. So he was a designer on Microchange, and he was a designer on the early days of Transformers and designed this uh, figure uh, that would become Perceptor, the MC-20 microscope from the Microman line. And uh, interesting little fact on Yoke, Yoke-san, uh, as he's become known around the Transformers fandom, uh, he has noted that uh, G1 Perceptor is his favorite toy uh, that he has designed, and uh, he is named as Perceptor's inventor on the English language patent for that toy. Introducing Perceptor. From a working microscope, he transforms into a robot. A couple more interesting things about the Perceptor toy. Uh, it has actually four modes. It has its robot mode, its microscope mode, 
It has a laboratory mode, which is kind of uh, halfway between its r microscope mode and the fourth mode, which is a vehicle uh, tank-like mode. And if you ever look at a Perceptor toy, he does have tank treads molded on the outsides of his legs. And if you were wondering why a microscope would need tank treads, uh, that is why, because he does turn into this little uh, weird-looking square tank. Also coming over from the microchange line in 1985 was Blaster, the Autobots uh, cassette deck, and that was the MC-21 Ratty Cassette Robo from the microchange line, and that one came in a, in a little bit of a different configuration than the Transformers toy release. The so the toy was actually a working AM radio uh, in the form of a microcassette that you could then put into Blaster's chest and then uh, listen to the radio through the toy. And by aligning this toy with the Autobots, there is no doubt he was released as a counterpart to the Decepticons' sound wave so that uh, there would be a communicator cassette deck on both sides and it's even evidenced in the commercial for the toy introducing blaster he looks like an innocent radio but transformed is the powerful autobot communicator and the blaster toy was was certainly a fun toy it's a lot bigger uh, if you've never actually owned one or held one, it is a lot bigger than you think it would should be. Um, and its cassette door is meant to interact with uh, the cassettes released at the time and eventually more cassettes later on on the Autobot side. And for more on what made Blaster, the toy, so special, here's Jen from Icon Underground. Blaster. He never had a disappointing incarnation. His toy was really fun. I mean, it was basically sound wave, but brighter uh, and more of like a boom box, which was super cool. Uh, you know, I, I watched Gem. I wanted to be a rock star. <laughs> so him being an actual boom box was great. He was great on the cartoon. Uh, he was great in the comic where he was a bit more serious. Uh, and yeah, it was just, it had the cassettes. I guess part of it is probably that I have always been very much an Autobot person. Uh, so he's basically like the coolest toy, but the Autobot version. Because I would say that Soundwave is probably, like, the two of them are, like, the Autobot and Decepticon versions of the coolest toy. Now, as I said earlier, uh, Hasbro did more than just import in uh, Takara product at this point, uh, aside from Diaclone and Microchange and the Mecha Warriors mini-spies. So Hasbro knew they were going to face some competition, so they went out of their way to buy the rights to a number of similar uh, transforming robot toys. Now, these didn't necessarily become realistic uh, vehicles to some extent, or uh, especially as much as the Diaclone toys were, but uh, had a vehicle mode and a robot mode and became things. And so they, they raided the toy box, uh, so to speak, <laughs> including one company called Toy Box. 
and they bought uh, two particular molds from them. One was never released by Toybox, but would later be part of the Transformers line. Uh, we'll get to that in a future episode, but one in this one was the Autobot Defense Base Omega Supreme. There's the Autobot Defense Base! But where are the Autobots? Who cares? Decepticons are gone! Oh no, look! It's Omega Supreme! Now, Omega Supreme is arguably the biggest physical toy of that year in 1985. Uh, he's also the most non-transformery of the, uh, the 85 Autobots in that he is a parts-former and as I mentioned in the previous toy episode, uh, Partsformer is kind of one that transforms somewhat but requires you to physically remove and shift parts around. He also has a, a weird look compared to the rest of the toys, having a face behind glass and having this big uh, turret on the back of his head. Uh, the design is definitely not uh, similar to the rest of the year. Uh, of the neat features on this toy, he did have a light-up uh, turret, and he also had a working motor in him that allowed him to roll along his track in defense-based mode. Uh, his tank would run, roll along the track, and in robot mode, it allowed him to walk. Now, the relationship with Toy Box was rather simple. Uh, the other relationship, as it relates to the Autobots released in 1985 was a bit more complex and that is with a company called Takatoku Toys. Now Takatoku Toys, let's try saying that fast three times. Takatoku Toys was the company behind the Macross toy line and anime series, uh, most notably for the Valkyrie figure, uh, the Macross 155VF1S Super Valkyrie figure and Takatoku went bankrupt in 1984 and sold their toy designs to uh, Bandai, uh, who then licensed the, some of those molds to Hasbro before they realized that they were going to compete in America with Transformers and bring over their Robotech toy line. So Hasbro had the U.S. rights to the Super Valkyrie figure and use that for the toy that would then be Jetfire. And Jetfire was sold to consumers as a way for the Autobots to have some air power. Tired of losing battle after battle in the sky, the Autobots create the ultimate robot jet, Jetfire. And in that commercial, it's one of the few times you'll see Jetfire's animation model closely depict his toy form that's because Hasbro only licensed the toy and not the likeness of the toy so when it became time to advertise the toy within the show they needed to substantially change his design and for safety's sake they switched his name to Skyfire so even in the cartoon when lines were recorded referencing the character they were recorded saying both Jetfire and Skyfire. Additionally, coming in from the Takatoku Toys designs on the Autobot side were two figures from the Special Armored Battalion Dorvac line, and those would be Roadbuster and World, the deluxe Autobots as they were referred to in the toy catalogs. Uh, these toys were 
much larger, Roadbuster, an orange uh, ATV of some kind, and Whirl, the helicopter. Both came with a number of weapons, and go check it out on tfu.info under 1985. They both have a lot of accessories. And that would wrap up the main line for Autobots in 1985, but there were still more. So, in addition to the main line of Transformers available in stores, there were also mail-away figures available. You had the Omnibots in Overdrive, Camshaft, and Downshift. They were a little bit smaller cars uh, and featured uh, alternate modes for all three of them. Uh, two of them had flight modes, one of them had an attack mode that revealed its weapon. Uh, they were a little bit different than, than the average Autobot cars, but still pretty neat little toys on their own. And these three guys could be picked up for $5 each, plus two robot points, which were uh, available on the back of packaging. And these were not available in stores at all, but you can only get these via mail order. Also available via mail order were the Power Dashers. Now, the Power Dashers came in three different forms, and you didn't know which one you were going to get. There was a car, a drill, and a jet, and each one had a pullback motor in it that allowed you to pull it back and let it roll along a floor or a hard surface. And these were available for $3 and two robot points. Uh, the only model pictured in the brochure was the jet model. In addition to the mail order stuff, though, there was also some, I guess we can call it side line additional merchandising that involved actual transforming toys. And this was via the company Tyco, uh, known for their race cars and toy trains. And what they had were race cars and toy trains, such as the electronic train battle set. The Decepticons are invading your command post. As they storm the power station, he counterattacks with a new secret weapon you control. A speeding Transformers train that's more than just a train. As every car transforms into a hot fighter. Weapon center. Proton laser. Search mode. Switch. Your hot fighter attacks with supersonic speed and saves the power station. You won today, but will you be ready tomorrow? Transformers electric train battle set by Tyco, of course. And of course, the Tyco Transformers Electric Racing Set, which also featured two new characters. Matron, the Autobot, on the alert for Frazog, the Decepticon. Transformers, more than meets the eye. Up ahead, is that the enemy in disguise? If it is, two can play this game, and the chase is on. It's also interesting to note that these two characters are never named anywhere within the packaging for the Electric Racing Set. Uh, they're only named in the commercial, which has led to some confusion on my part uh, for the site in the past as to which one is Frieson and which one is Natron. It also doesn't help that neither one of them has an Autobot or Decepticon symbol on them, but Natron is the Autobot, and he is the white Mustang. And in fact, uh, the wiki makes note that I have this screwed up, so I'm going to go fix that right now. But before I do that, let's wrap up the show. Uh, that will do it for this edition of Transformers University. Once again, I want to thank you for joining me. And please, if you like the show, please help us out by supporting us. The quickest and most direct way you can do that is by joining our Patreon. Patreon.com slash TFU info. 
That is patreon.com slash T-F-U-I-N-F-O. And that will allow you to sponsor us directly, and there's some great benefits to doing such, uh, such as getting a few extra entries into our Transformers giveaway that is going on right now through May 5th, 2018. And you can get in on that for free if you want uh, by simply subscribing to our YouTube channel, youtube.com slash TFU info. And all patrons of the Patreon, all students enrolled in Transformers University, uh, get a bonus two entries into the contest. And of course, if you want another easy way to help support the show, use our Amazon link tfu.info slash amazon that'll take you to amazon.com and anything you buy any of your normal purchases everything from toilet paper to uh, a brand new car <laughs> uh, whatever you buy amazon uh, throws a few cents our way and if you'd like to keep up with the site elsewhere we are always on twitter uh, just about every day i post a daily desk bot on twitter and that is uh, twitter.com slash tfu underscore info and on facebook and instagram at uh, facebook.com slash tfu info instagram.com slash tfu info and of course on the web at www.tfu.info once again i want to thank you for joining the show i hope you've been entertained and looking ahead to next week this is a personal favorite uh topic of mine not because i know a lot about it but because i know so little about it and Part of why I launched this podcast was so I had a really good reason to go back and learn more about the Marvel UK Transformers comics. And yes, they are very different than what was released here in the U.S. where I live in the 1980s. So, until next time, see ya.